sure. All right. Howdy, and welcome to episode 26 of Cast Protection. Cast Protection is a podcast that discusses the Netflix original series, Stranger Things. My name is Jonathan Kreitz, and I'm joined by Dave Atterbury. Hello, friends. And Chris Tyler. Hey, guys. All right, you can reach the show at castprotection at gmail.com, at, at castprotection on Twitter, and on Facebook. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. So it is finally here. After nearly two years and many rewatches, the third series of Stranger Things is here, and we are extremely excited to talk about it and share it with you all. Oh, yeah. So, first off, guys, uh, <laughs> who wants to say how they did their first watch? Because, spoiler alert, we've all three watched it all the way through more than once even now. So, uh, who wants to go first and how they... They watched the show this time. Oh, boy. Um, let's see. So it was July 4th. Um, I fell asleep real early, July 3rd, because I had a long day. Uh, I was up at about 5.40 because I don't sleep late in the morning. I just don't because I'm so used to getting up and going to work, even if it's a day off. Um, my wife slept a little bit later, so we started at around 9.30 after I made us a delicious breakfast of Eggo waffles and corned beef hash. Uh, nice. <laughs> so, um, then we just sort of launched into it, and we watched um, watched the first five right in a row, and it was uh, hot as heck and uh, pouring rain where I was, so it was too gross to go out and do anything. The rain subsided, started to cool down, and we decided, okay, it's time for a break before we start uh, episode six. Got some Dairy Queen, came back. And finished it up. So, yeah, we, we watched it all in one day. Nice. We uh, we got up. My kids woke up about 7.30 on July 4th. And it was like it was like Christmas morning. They were like, can we start watching? Can we start watching? So we started at 8. And um, we took a lunch break when my son had his, his uh, speech therapist came over. And then... Um, yeah, we just, but other than that, we powered through the whole day. And that was all we did. My wife is out of town in Guam, so we just didn't play doing anything. We, it was like 115 out here, so we Oof. just like hid inside the air conditioning in the dark and watched Stranger Things. And then, uh, on Sunday, after my wife was back, she wanted to watch it because she had saved all the episodes and watched them on the plane okay. on her iPad. So she wanted to, so we watched it again on Sunday. We built the 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 Lego set while we rewatched. Oh, that's awesome! Um, nice. So we we did a whole other rewatch on Sunday. And by the way, that Lego set is so big. I it's I rewatched the whole season, and then I still had to watch. Uh, I watched Minority Report oh, on Amazon Prime, and then I watched. Um, Great movie, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. And we Underrated, later Spielberg. I, I like that one a lot. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, we watched that. We watched, uh, oh, shoot. We watched one other movie. And it took, so it took me the whole season rewatch plus two movies to build that whole set. So, yeah, um, a lot of, was it like 2,000 pieces? Yeah, it's a big one. There's wow. a lot of detail in it. And, and I mean, just the trees alone, if you've seen the set, the yeah. trees that hold up the houses, I mean, that was like, half the building right there so um so yeah highly recommend that set it's really good lots of good easter eggs it looks fantastic on your desk 
You get a you get a sweet Lego blazer. Oh man, um, I want the blazer just on its own. All right, it's awesome. It's a great set. I can't recommend it enough. So, oh. anyways, that's how we we we've watched it twice. So, yep, that's cool. What about you? Yeah. Uh, well, similar. I actually got started right right when it hit. Uh, I think I started right at like two o one a.m. Central Time. I was, I'd gone to bed early, kind of like Chris on uh, July 3rd, because I got up about 12.30 to get a brisket on for the Independence Day festivities. Ah. <laughs> I know, you guys, and I had some leftovers for lunch today. It was, it exceeded every expectation. It was really, really, really good. Nice. Um, but by the time I, like, I got up, got my fire going, you know, Season the the beef, all that. By the time it was ready to go on, it was right at two o'clock. I was like, well, I could watch a couple episodes, you know, while I make sure that the fire is okay, <laughs> and I can sleep for a few hours, and then everyone will be up, and we'll be up for the day. And so that's what I did. I watched the first two episodes, crashed for a few hours, you know. Kids got up, Kristen got up, we all ate breakfast. Then she had agreed with some of our friends to go swimming and I had intended to join them but the Briscoe was taking longer than it uh, I planned on it and so I couldn't leave it so she took the kids swimming at a friend's house and I was home alone for like three hours so I knocked out several more ooh. and uh, finished then we had to go to 4th of July stuff so then I didn't finish the actual show till till late the night of the 4th but right. very good now. and then um I think it was Friday night or Saturday night. Maybe it was Saturday night. Me and Kristen started watching together. We watched the first two, and I think we watched the next two last night. So we're up to episode four for her. And I, I had to convince her to watch the first season years and years ago because she thought it looked too scary. And because the whole first episode, the, the first, like, ten minutes were pretty scary. Yeah. This season is, like, freaking her out a little bit. I think... Oh, uh, it's freaky. Yeah, it's like, once you get to Billy getting... Well, that's the end of the first episode, but once you really start in on Billy's story, she was like... She was really concerned that Eleven and Max were going to get got uh, in the first couple episodes, so... So she's not going to be watching any Cronenberg anytime soon, I take it. Uh, no, probably not, no. No. But, yeah, no, it was, it was fun to have it on the holiday like that. I mean, I know... Uh, is a big part of their marketing push, but I think it was actually like in hindsight, a great idea to put it on the holiday. Oh, yeah. It worked out really, really well. Yeah. I love how it played into the, you know, the actual show itself, but, um, having it on the 4th of July was a lot of fun. I know my daughter, she kind of pointed out, she's like, dad, they've done like, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Halloween, 4th of July. She's like, what are they going to do next time? Valentine's? Yeah. Probably. Maybe. Maybe. I, like, day. I don't know. <laughs> I'm pushing for Arbor Day. Yeah. Arbor Day. Season four. That's funny. The tree, it's in the trees. We, well, <laughs> the trees are moving. <laughs> but, uh, you never know. We'll see. There, there was a little something there at the end that makes me think, uh, maybe we'll see a Christmas, a Christmas series, like a true Christmas series at one point, Ooh. but we'll see. Yeah, I think they can, that'd be kind of good, you know. Because that's, that's one aspect of the show I've kind of liked is how they've kind of, um, you know, that's a big part of growing up. And so they've kind of played into memories of holidays and things, you know, like, I mean, I remember 
you know, like summer summers were a big deal, especially at that age. You know, like oh, yeah. it was almost like a year in of, in and of itself. You know, your summers. So um, that was one of the uh, I liked. I liked that part of the season a lot. So yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Okay, well, I'm going to give a spoiler warning. I mean, that should be very obvious. It only came out uh, four or five days ago. But all three of us have seen the entire season. And while we're going to focus kind of episode by episode, I'm sure we'll have commentary, you know, and ideas and thoughts from the whole season, you know, mixed into different episodes. So right. yeah. with that, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I would say at this, yeah, at this point, fair warning, we're going to talk about it in detail. We're very excited to talk about it. We want you to watch it first, obviously, and uh, come back and give us a listen if you haven't seen it already. With that, here we go. So our opening, cold open, June 28, 1984. We see a bunch of workers in hazmat suits uh, preparing a giant machine. The machine starts up and shoots a beam of energy into a wall, opening what we as the viewers recognize immediately as a portal to the upside down. Tendrils like the ones that tunneled through Hawkins creep out of the portal until the machine fails and implodes, killing all the technicians. And by killing, I mean it turns them into steaming piles of goo, basically. Yeah, the lead scientist, uh, speaking in Russian, this is our first hint of where we're at, tries to ask for more time to the general that's in charge and is choked to death by a tall, severe-looking soldier. The general gives the remaining scientists one year, as they are close. We move to an exterior shot and see that we are in Russia, and we, boom, cut to credits. So not really much change in the credits, by the way. I guess, obviously, the three at the end with the whoosh instead of the two. Um, One thing I was going to ask you guys, maybe I haven't watched – I did watch the prior uh, two seasons before season three came out. Mm -hmm. Did they change the way that the credits play – you know how, like, once the episode starts and it'll say, like, directed by... They did put a drop uh, shadow of, uh, yeah, of red and blue, yeah. uh, alternating red and blue for each card. Obviously yeah. to tie in with the, the 4th of July theme, I would yeah. think. And okay, I, tried I, to, I tried to see if there was a pattern, like, if all the actors that we were going to presume were Russians had a red drop shadow, but it didn't do that. It was just a straight, you know, alternating. back and forth. Just Cool. Or, yeah, or, yeah, I thought, or, I thought it looked. I thought it looked a little bit different. Um, so good. I'm glad I wasn't making that up. All right. Well, the season, uh, the episode begins in the proper part of it in Eleven's room, and she and Mike are kissing. Outside, Hop chomps on some Tostitos and salsa and annoyance while watching Magnum PI. When uh, he leans his chair back and sees them kissing, El slams the door shut with their mind. Hop demands that they open up the door, at which they pretend like nothing was happening. We cut to Mike riding home on his bike. He and Elle are laughing about Hop's anger while planning to get together the next day. We see that Mike rides his bike up to the newly opened Starcourt Mall, where he meets Lucas, Max, and Will. They're going to have Steve Harrington let them through the freight entrance of Scoops Ahoy, where Steve works now, and into the back hallways of the mall. Why? Because they're sneaking into a preview of Romero's Day of the Dead. During the film's famous opening scene, the power goes out in the mall, and we see that it goes out all over Hawkins. The camera pans down to an old steelworks, and inside, we see dust and debris begin to rattle and coalesce into a swirling cloud. It's the Mind Flare. Almost immediately, power returns, and the crowd cheers. Will pauses, feeling a chill in his neck and remembering the attacks of the Mind Flare from the previous year. 
We cut to the next morning, and Nancy wakes up realizing she and Jonathan have overslept. They both jump up and dress, and Nancy goes out the window before they get in Jonathan's car to head to, to their internships, the Hawkins Post. After Jonathan leaves, Joyce notices that all the magnets fell off the fridge. She replaces them, including one on a drawing of Bob Newby, superhero. We cut to a yellow Volvo with Dustin and his mom. Dustin is coming home from a month-long summer camp, and nobody is answering his radio calls. When he gets to his room, all his electronics begin walking and moving and playing on their own. Arming himself with a can of Fair Fawcett spray, he follows him into the living room, only to be ambushed by his friends in a surprise welcome. In the surprise, he sprays Lucas right in the eyes, and I didn't write this down, but it elicits Lucas' infamous girly scream. He has at least one of those every season. <laughs> and this was, of course, the main scene in the uh, the trailer from several months ago. At the Hawkins pool, the various sunbathing moms are checking the time because it's almost Billy Hargrove's turn to man the lifeguard stand. And this job seems like a perfect one for Billy as he gets to bust on rule breakers regularly and be adored by all the thirsty housewives. So, if you can't tell, this 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 first episode has to do a lot of legwork to basically put everyone where they are for the beginning of the season. Catch yeah. us up, put them in their spot, you know, give you a little background on them. So we're just boom, 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 you know, hitting all the major players. Uh, the next scene is in downtown Hawkins, where we see that the opening of the new mall has had an immediate effect on Main Street, store after store, shown as shuttered. Joyce is busy hanging a clearance sale sign in the window when Hop arrives to voice his frustration over Ellen Mike and their constant kissing and time together. Joyce suggests he talk it out with them and helps him out by helping him find the words to talk to them, and they write it all out. I love the fact that he doesn't know what a heart-to-heart is. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> we can come back to that. We can come back to that. He, he acted a little goofy in some of those early scenes. Is that just my imagination? He played it a little different than he... I know it's a different situation. Uh, yeah, two years of having to deal with all that crap and then having a daughter after losing his birth daughter, and you know... I don't think anything prepares you, and I'm not a parent, but I imagine moving from childhood into um, the hormonal teenage years with a child yeah. that you're essentially having to keep secret is probably weighing on him. Yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm well. Obviously, he he looks like he's never looked good, but he doesn't look great right now. <laughs> no, I think well, okay. So here's a little quick side note that I think on that on that point, JC, like so. Remember when we were going into the season, they talked about how Fletch was an influence? Yeah. So the whole time I was watching, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, okay, so what's the Fletch? You know, because most of the time, their their references are pretty overt. Like, the sure. E.T. reference in season one's like, duh, right? Right. You know, the bike sequence, everything. So in the pink dress, all that stuff. Right. So I can't, I, you know, Fletch is one of my favorite, favorite movies. So this whole season, I, I, I've been trying, I was like trying to put my... The back of my head, I kept thinking, like, what's the Fletch influence? And I think, like, there was never quite, like, a super overt reference, I don't think. But when they got to a later episode and there's a music drop where they bring in Neutron Dance <laughs> by the Pointer Sisters, okay? Yeah. Right. Which immediately made me think of another one of my favorite 80s comedy mystery movies, which was Beverly Hills Cop. I think it's in Beverly Hills Cop, isn't it? Right. Yeah, right, I think so. If, if yeah. not the first one, at least the second one. But so I think what it was is like 
and, and I saw this most in the Hopper character this season, like this season overall is like, it's more of a comedy than the previous seasons. You know what I mean? It's more yeah. of like an eighties comedy movie. It's kind of got like, I, th- I think it's more comedic, comedic overall, which I don't know if that's off putting to some people or, you know, if that's going to be like, you know, there's going to be reactions where people didn't like it as much. I thought it was great, but I just, I feel like that's what this whole season was. It was more of a total like mid eighties style movie. Yeah. Than, than even the other seasons. The other yeah. seasons, like, you felt like they had homages and references and like reminding you it's the eighties. It's the easy. This one was like, I just felt from top to bottom was more of a, like an eighties style movie. Just the yeah. way it was shot, acted, like brought out, like just from beginning to end, you know. So this this season does go a lot darker than the other seasons in terms of the horror aspects. I think too, just because it's it's a, a more personal horror that's going on, um, right? With the body horror stuff. So I mean, it could have just been an intentional thing to try to balance out how bleak this sometimes gets um yeah for and, sure and, you know because in another reality there's a version of this season that is not as pop as this season is where it's more bleak where they could have leaned more into john carpenter and stephen king instead of leaning more into you know the more 80s style yeah exactly no and i think like if you think about it, especially hopper like you know, the first season, he was really rough. You know what I mean? Like, he obviously had, like, problems and was having a hard time. And then you kind of get into season two and you see that he got to spend a year with L and it kind of healed him up a lot. Now we're moving past that to, this is you know, now. it's living it's just, here. Yes. Yeah. Right. And it's been six months of him putting up with Mike, Mike, Mike and L making out in the shack and he's at a breaking point. So. Um, yeah, his performance, I mean, the whole, the whole season through, like, it's just, he's playing it for laughs the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I love it. I mean, I feel like it's, it's like, I still feel like he's Kurt Russell. Like, he's John Carpenter, Kurt Russell. In the earlier seasons, he was playing, he's like. He's McCready in the first season. Exactly. And now he's Jack Burton. Oh exactly. yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. yes, that's what I feel like we're getting here. Well, I felt like I got a little overboard. Yeah, here. I was just about like, to say that overboard. Yeah, yeah. there's a little Absolutely. bit of that here with him and oh, Joyce. Well, I mean, they're leaning heavily into the mismatched love thing. You know, they got the Sam and yeah. Diane and the moonlighting stuff going on the whole season between that's true. Oliver and Joyce. And they're oh just yeah, not even trying to hide it. Yeah, I, I think the Cheers reference is definitely not unintentional like i mean it's definitely like yeah and they hey, showed sam and quick, diane i'm gonna do this real quick and pump here oh did you hear that is that new coke you know what that is that's a new coke oh yeah. Yeah, i drank all yeah. my already <laughs> oh my gosh it's awesome <sighs> i wish, mm. I, wish okay. I had more all right so back to the recap where were we okay we're um so Hopper is going to get help from Joyce on how to talk to the kids, have a heart to heart, as he says. Um, and while they're talking outside the store, we see Nancy Wheeler dash by with a sack of food. When she gets a newspaper office, we see that she is a gopher for the whole staff. While delivering burgers in the conference room to the editor and the reporters, 
She interjects that maybe they should write a story on Starcourt's economic effect on Hawkins. She's promptly laughed out of the room by, uh, was it Jake BC? Jake BC, yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's her personal nemesis. At Back at Dustin's, he's regaling the gang with his exploits from science, science camp, and he buries a lead that he found a girlfriend there named Susie. Knowing they won't immediately believe him, he has already made a plan to install a homebrew radio antenna nicknamed Cerebro on a nearby hill to speak to Susie over the ham radio. The party sets off to put it up. Back at Scoops Ahoy in the mall, it is apparent that Steve has completely lost his edge with the ladies. Robin, his prototypical Gen Xer co-worker, doesn't mind keeping score for him, and he sucks. <laughs> yep. I think it was 7 to nothing last, last I saw the score. Yeah. We find out that Steve didn't even, get, didn't even get into tech, so his dad is making him work at the mall to learn a lesson. Um, back at Melville's store, Hopper rehearses his speech to the kids with Joyce, and he just can't get it. He suggests maybe killing Mike and covering it up, but Joyce thinks he can do it. Hop asks Joyce to dinner that night, but she declines. The party is sweating it out as they hike to the top of the hill with Cerebro, and before they can even make it to the top, Ellen Mike bail as she has curfew. As they continue to hike, Will gets the feeling of the mind flare again, basically like a cold sensation on the back of his neck. But, and unnoticed by the kids, a swarm of rats run by in the grass. At the steelworks that we saw earlier, the rats go into the basement to where the mind flare is and proceed to burst into a meaty jelly. I don't know how better to describe it than that. Rat goo. Yeah, yeah basically a gooey jelly, yeah. bony, I don't even know what. Back at the pool, Karen Wheeler gets her laps in while Billy watches in admiration. He suggests a private swimming lesson at the Motel 6 on the edge of town and does not take no for an answer. The breaststroke. I I can't believe he actually said it. Uh, Yeah. Well, that's in character. Well, he practices, as we learn here in a minute, he practices his lines with the ladies, so. Back on the hill, the kids get Cerebro put together and installed, but they can't get Susie on the radio. And at the buyer's house, Joyce is all alone, and a rerun of Cheers reminds her of the good time she had with Bob. While she is eating, the magnets fall off of her fridge again. That same evening at the post, Nancy is cleaning up the conference room when a call comes in on the tip line. She's the only one there, so she answers. It's a Mrs. Driscoll who has some strange rats at her farm. Back at Hop's cabin, Mike and Elle have made it safely home from curfew to continue making out. Hop rehearses his lines and goes to confront the kids. They listen to him try to begin his speech, but interrupt him with laughter and whispers. And this is the part as a dad where I was like, I was like getting mad on Hop's behalf. I was too, and I'm not even a parent. Yeah. When when Mike whispers to her, right, like interrupts Hop to whisper to her, I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) He decides to skip the heart to heart and tells Mike that his mom needs him home because something is wrong with his grandma. Once they get in the truck, Hop sets Mike straight on what needs to happen for him to continue dating Elle. <laughs> the same time, on the hilltop, Dustin is trying to reach Susie with Cerebro. The other kids bail as it's getting very late. As Dustin prepares to give up, he hears a strange transmission coming through in Russian. And this leads to a scene where we cut to a Russian radio operator speaking the following lines. The silver cat feeds when blue meets yellow in the west. A trip to China sounds nice. If you tread lightly. After which, 
A surviving scientist from the opening scene of this season walks through the radio room and into a control room for something, as his coworker says, beautiful. At the Wheeler house, we see Karen getting ready for her rendezvous with Billy, but she balks when she sees Holly and Ted snoozing together downstairs. Billy, though, is still on his way to their meeting and crashes his car when something hits his window. He careens into the parking lot of the steelworks and realizes he is not alone. But before he can react, he is snatched by an unseen force and drugged screaming into the basement of the factory. And that is the end of chapter one. Oh, yeah. Boom. Yep. <laughs> uh, I think I messaged you guys right away. I said, this, this is a hell of an opener. It was. Yeah. It really was. And you guys, I didn't, I got up to grab that new Coke when we were having the, the discussion a minute ago about the humor, but I do think, I mean, all, all the storylines have a large amount of humor, but yeah. I do feel like it is top to bottom at the same time, a much scarier and leaned much more heavily into the horror angle of everything. Yeah. Yeah. As well sure. as at the same time, a top to bottom funnier season than probably the previous two combined. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, agree. I also agree. <laughs> I know, I just, I, it's funny because, like, okay, so I think we've talked about it before. I've watched that whole Beyond Stranger Things, uh, whatchamacallit, that they put out on Netflix. Yeah. It's a little, you know, whatever. But, um, sanitized. Yeah, well, it just makes me kind of laugh, though, because I remember them talking about the last episode of last season and how mortified the kids were to, like, have to kiss each other mm. in the snowball scene. You know, and literally this this episode when it starts into the episode proper, I mean, they're just kissing each other like crazy. Oh yeah, it just kind of made me laugh thinking about like like how much like he how mortified these two were to like kiss each other one time, and they're just making out like crazy. Plus, I, I have to admit, um, and I told my kids this much to their mortification that I have in fact made out with a girl too. Ario Speedwagon, uh, before, uh, that exact song, so I can attest that yes, it does work, and girls love it. So, um, that's awesome. So there's my tip to all you lovers out there, just, uh, turn up the Speedwagon. Um, <laughs> I just, I was dying, like my kids, and you know, it's funny, like, and again, because my wife wasn't there, I was kind of sad because I was rolling even more than my kids because there's so many references that I was like, you guys don't even, you, you don't even get how on point this is. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, like going to the mall like this, I mean, my wife and I hung out at the mall like this, like the same mall together as kids, like just like this. Um, you know, things like the, 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 uh, uh, the fast times reference in the Billy Which, slow walk. Well, I mean, I just, Rolling on the floor, you I know, was my too. kids are like looking at me like, "What is wrong with you, the Dad?" The reversal is great too. Yes, instead of a, a, a Phoebe Cates coming out and taking her top off, we just have we have the beefcake doing it, and it's all the the oh, cougars eyeing them up. Too funny. Billy was interesting. Like he's a lot. Um, he's a lot more uh, not just scary, intense all the time. You know? No, he's more of a character instead of a character yeah. this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. He was legit scary in some parts last season just because he was so intense with 
L and his whole hang up with Lucas and kind of all that rolled together. Or not L, uh, sorry, Max. Um, yeah, he does seem to have kind of found his niche at least. Now I'm kind of watching this in order while we while we recap. I usually do this, and I want to ask you guys because I don't remember. I'm not even sure if I've seen Day of the Dead. Oh, um, oh, it's so good. So, yeah, can you can you any can tell me here? Like, do you th- does it play into the season? Like, are there hints there for for what um, happens this season? Or well, the you know? bulk of the story, um, it's a group of survivors after you know, the previous two films, and they're military, uh, some of them are military, and they're all stuck underground. So, they're so in, it's the third, it's the third it's one? It's the third yes. one. Yes. Okay, um, so there's a reference right there. Then. And in the film, what you come to find out, again, the people are more dangerous than the zombies, just, you know, when you're in close quarters, and supplies gotcha. are limited, and familiarity breeds contempt. Um, we do see that one of the zombies um, starts... Bob? Bob, Bud? Yeah, Bob, Bob, Bud, yeah. Bud mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Begins to exhibit not just mimicry of humanity, but has started to become... The zombies are... are it looks like they're evolving towards... Awareness or aware. sentience. Yeah. yeah. You know, he, Got it. You know, he okay. cleans a gun and cocks it and he salutes. Um, so he's be- the zombies are becoming more human, which is maybe the reverse of what's happening in this season where the upside down is taking people and corrupting them into a zombie like horde. Got so it. There is yeah. definitely, it does definitely play, play into that, especially with a lot of the underground tunnels which we'll get to eventually mm. as well. Okay, gotcha. Okay, cool. That's true. I, th- That's I figured there together. had to be something. Yeah, I figured there had to be something there. I just, I'm sure what? if I've seen it, I only saw it once and I've forgotten about it. So. Yeah, that that Day of the Dead poster that um, I've always thought was really cool where it's like, first it was night, then it was dawn, and it shows like a sliver of a moon, then a yeah. sliver of rising sun, and then it's like, now it's the Day of the Dead. I thought that was a cool poster. And this season, I think, uh, in a lot of early, like, non-spoilery uh, spoilery reviews I read, they all noted how much more of this season, I guess being summertime, but just takes place out in broad daylight, sun shining, compared yeah. to the first two. And I thought that was a mm. neat contrast that now it's the daytime. Yeah, yep. no, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So what did you guys think of the cold opening? Oh, I just, I mean, come on. That's pretty cool. After all the months of speculation and all the teasing that they've done about the the Russians and the Cold War for the first two seasons, I mean, right. even with Murray saying there's a Russian spy in Hawkins, well, I guess he was right. It just wasn't 11. It's something else. Because that right. Right. would have been happening um, at roughly the same time. I mean, um, you know, the, the Russians would have had to come over to start planning Starcourt would probably take about a year to get all that together and then constructed and everything built. So yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was stoked, you know, because I'm sitting there going, "Where the hell is this? Why, why do these guys in gas masks look like they're from Romero's The Crazies? I don't know." Um, right. And and then oh, okay, Russians. Yep. 
Yeah, makes total sense. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that this was really, I guess, before even season two. Yeah. This part of the story is even before season two. Yeah, it's like six months so, before season two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I want, and maybe they'll never go back and talk about any of this, but I, I always wonder. It makes me just wonder, I guess, if if like what they were doing had any impact, I guess, on you know what happens in season two and. I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it's just as like they found out about it some way and we're trying to duplicate our efforts or yeah. or what. I don't know how much they'll go into the why of why they were doing this. Um, yeah, they didn't really get into that, but I, I wonder, it made me feel like it, it was kind of a tie into season one and Brenner right. and the whole point of the Eleven experiment and the idea of them like, you know, like chasing like the idea of like otherworldly power and what have you and you know which feels like a very 80s movie type sure uh sure plot so um i thought that was yeah it was it was it was cool i didn't expect it i remember seeing the previews and i I just for whatever reason assumed that was all happening in hawkins so right right yeah. yeah, and I I made a note here that the bump up in special effects is immediate immediately oh, yeah. noticeable. I mean, the first scene, the flyover of the machine as it's all like whirring up was like just that alone yeah. was probably better special effects than anything in the first two seasons, except maybe like the end of season two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. The slow mo liquef- <laughs> liquefaction of uh, you know all the technicians and soldiers around the machine as it blew up was pretty cool too. Well, I know, like, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I mean, uh, color me fanboy, but I'm pretty sure at this point this is Netflix's premiere show. I mean, right? Um, I mean, I know, like, Orange is the New Black was pretty trendy for a while there, but I think it's kind of winding down. I think after, it, it, I mean, it took a couple of months, and then after the first season where that's where everybody was talking about it, and then everybody was so excited for season two, and I think a lot of people were let down by season two. I was not one of them. Right. Um, but I think that hype train kind of hasn't stopped since right. September well, of 2016, you know? So Yeah, and I know, I know at one point Netflix, I remember reading that they were trying to, they were really pushing for them to do like two seasons back-to-back for three and four because you know netflix just you know wanted to get it out there yeah. so um, that, that would have been awesome it would have been awesome but that's yeah. a, a much longer commitment because i mean it, they I, shot this for like eight months right something like that it took a long time yeah yeah took a while I mean, yeah hopefully. think about it i mean think about it a, a movie is you know hour and a half two hours maybe yeah and it takes a couple months to shoot and this is basically eight hours of that level of yeah, you know, production. Well, and I like that they've, you know, they basically like, I, from what I understand, like they they came back to Netflix and said, no, we kind of want to take our time, and they want to lean into the idea of that the time that it takes lets the kids get older, and they're going to play into that and embrace the whole Harry Potter style. Our kids are getting sure, older, yeah, sure. you know, season after season. Yeah, I'm uh, glad they're doing that too, because I mean, ostensibly they're going to be starting high school after this adventure, right? Yeah, yeah I, I think, think so. Yeah, yeah it's the, oh. the last summer where they're, you know, not kids anymore. They're going to be teenagers. So, yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't try to force a 
five seasons out of this and pretend like they're going to be 11 years old. It's just, you can't. It's just not possible. Right. Mm-hmm. Chris, I kind of interrupted you earlier. Is there something else you want to say about that? Um, no, I don't You're think good. so. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a really uh, Mike riding up on his bike to the mall. That was a really cool introduction for them to kind of do that walk through through the mall. Um, it, the mall, obviously. I mean, I've seen some people say the mall actually is almost like its own character in this season, just because of how much it plays into the plot, mm. yeah. and it's kind of like the. It's basically the place, the place, the location, even more than the town, that ties all the disparate storylines together. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, and it's funny because like at this time period, I was still a little young for it, but I remember, I remember going to hang out at the mall in like eighty nine, ninety, and that was still kind of a big deal, you know. So it's definitely on point for like the time period. You know, and how how trendy it was to be a kid and go hang out at the mall. Yeah. So. Um, oh yeah, I mean, well, I re- I remember the the local malls, the local mall where I'm from. It was, yeah, it was it was pretty much like that. I remember going there as a kid uh, with my family, and it was a lot of a lot of beige, a lot of cream colors, and a lot of neon interspersed throughout <laughs> until the <laughs> until the early '90s when you know things kind of started to get changed a little bit but yeah, yeah. It definitely I know they used a real mall in, in Georgia to, to do that um, but my god the production design on that is oh, yeah. incredible yeah, yeah well, it's and incredible I, and I think that's part of why like, like, like you can tell the budget has gone up and having read a little bit about like the demise of the Netflix Marvel shows and kind of how they look at their I, I can't remember if it was an article or somebody's YouTube video I watched talking about the concept of like Netflix approaches like, you know, success in their original shows basically based on getting new viewers because that's how they, yeah. you know, you know, it's not, they're not getting advertising revenue like TV did. They're getting, they, they're getting new subscribers. So, and I feel like looking at the amount of merchandising that's come out, the obvious huge increase of the budget. Um, of the show overall, of what was done, like for this third season, I feel like it has to be a reflection of what it's doing for them right. as a band. And they don't really have any other properties that are as merchandise friendly. Um, even the Marvel stuff, yeah. because Marvel is getting, if there is any merchandise for it, that's in Marvel's pocket. Um, well, that's all leaving. It's, it's all, all leaving at the end of the year. I mean, even if they were, so. whatever merchandise came out for Daredevil. Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, Defenders, and Iron Fist, that was all going into Marvel's pocket. You know, sure. whatever t-shirts or anything that right. came out. Um, cause I, got, I mean, I got the Marvel Legends um, Charlie Cox Daredevil on my shelf back there, and I mean, that's from Marvel and whoever was up. I don't even know who does the toys um, for them now, but that's mm-hmm. money right into Marvel's pocket. So, all of these tie-ins for this season between Nike and Schwinn and Baskin-Robbins, and Dungeons and Dragons, so and Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola. I mean, it was yeah. just. I'm sure. Burger King. Burger King. Yeah, depending upon where you are. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that those companies had to pony up some money to yeah. use the, you know, the branding. So there you go. And I mean, those are some big companies to have 
especially oh, Coca-Cola. Yeah. Coca-Cola uh-huh. alone. Yeah. You know? So. I was bummed. I didn't know they were doing the kind of upside-down day Burger King things, but one of those Burger Kings was, like, it's within an easy, like, 30- or 40-minute drive from here. It's a good thing that wasn't around me, because I would have driven to, and all they did was serve it to you upside-down in a black container, so... Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't even hear what it was. I just oh. I just saw that it was only at like eleven Burger Kings or something crazy like that. So, oh, wow. that's funny. Yeah, I probably would have done it too if there been anyone if there had been one near me, and I knew about it for sure. Hmm. Yeah, um, I thought it was also hilarious and like totally on character that of course they're using their Erica is using. We find out, you know. Steve's job at Chips Ahoy to get free samples all the time, but the older kids, <laughs> it totally makes sense, are using Steve's job at the mall to get them the access movies. to rated R movies. So, right. So. True genius. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and that was the rise, too, of the of the movie theaters in the, the mall. mall. Yeah. yeah. Early, uh, early 80s. Yep. Yep. Well, so, my, I'm a little younger than you guys. My wife and I, though, when we were just in junior high, starting high school, and we still went to our mall, like, all the time, it was kind of the last gasp of that mall as it probably had been for the previous 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Before they, like, totally, like, it's been revamped probably two more times since the mid-90s, but we used to go to the four-screen theater in the mall all the time. Like, yeah. we went to that movie theater in the Bayburg Mall all the time. Uh, we saw Scream there. We saw I Know What You Did Last Summer there. We saw Face Off there. I mean, like, we saw lots of movies there in the mid-90s in that mall theater. Yep. Pretty sure I saw um, the Tim Burton <laughs> Planet of the Apes there. I mean, Ooh, just, like, oh, yeah. all kinds of crazy movies. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, there was, a, there was a shot in that one promo where he was walking. Steve was walking down the theater entrance, and it had all the, like, lights mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. and our theater had that that whole entrance and I remember that was the theater that was at our mall here in, in Mesa and I remember going there a lot um, in the 90s by then it was a dollar theater yeah. so I used to go there all the time to catch just dirt cheap movies um, and they, didn't, know, they did not make that theater have uh, stadium seating either it was all the gentle gentle slope like, yep, right. like in the old days you know oh yeah yep so, um, yeah, that was, I know, they just, a lot of memories looking at that theater. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, we already spoke about Day of the Dead a little bit, and it's been a very long time since I've seen it either, in terms of, like, its influence on the season. With everything to do with the mall, before this season, I would have guessed some Dawn of the Dead influence. Yeah, well, that was the swerve, I think. Yeah, yeah, but they kind of went with Day of the Dead, which it did premiere... I think I wrote down here, uh, it got a wide release in the middle of July, but it's, it premiered in June 30th, so it did say special premiere on their posters they dashed in, yeah. so so that's cool that they made it that same weekend. Of course, uh, Back to the Future came out June 3rd, which uh, mm. I don't know what day it's supposed to be. I haven't counted up the nights and days leading up to the 4th of July. It's it's. Uh, I think we're supposed to intimate that it is literally like a year since the the June twenty eighth. Just and the about prior year. Yeah. Mayor Klein does say, "Do you know what's in four days?" To, to yeah. He says Independence Day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that meeting takes place presumably on June thirtieth. 
or July right. 1st, depending on how they're reckoning it. Um, right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's, it's a year. We're going from a year in 80, June of 84 to the same day in 85. Right. So, you know, so the whole season really just does take place over the course of less than a week. Right. Which is which is on par with the prior two seasons. They yeah. both take place over about a week, I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, now this was something that before we started watching, when we when actually when I showed her the final trailer, my wife was like, "Really? The Mind Flayer is back?" But uh, that was like the whole cool end of season two was that Eleven closed the gate, but the Mind Flayer is back. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about that? Because I actually think I mean we see it. It just kind of happens here that we see it kind of reforming or recoalescing or however you want to say it. I but, uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm the coolest kid in the class, but I had rewatched season two about a week and a half before this came out. Right. And as soon as that idea starts to form in on the show, I was like, oh, they did drive something out of Will. Right. And what if it didn't get back? Yeah. So, I mean, it's you know, it's just one of those things from having watched, rewatched everything right before. You know, I don't think it's a cheat. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been more of a cheat if, you know, people were going into the upside down and there was breaches and all that kind of stuff. So it's not like that. It's you know, some little part of this other world got left behind, and we know that it's a malevolent entity, so what else is it going to do? It's going to take its time and try to win. So Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I think you're totally correct. I mean, even the way they shoot that scene where that piece of the Mind Flare leaves Will, and Nancy, like, dashes out on the porch to watch it fly away, uh-huh. even gives you the idea of, like, we're not done with this yet. You know what I mean? Like, just even the way that's all done... And it would have been just as much of, like, I guess a plot hole, if you want to say, or just an overlooked plot thread to have some extant piece of the Mind Flare out there and just, like, never revisit it again. Right. You know, you could see, you could level, that'd be then the opposite side of the coin, but a similar criticism to say, well, you never even told us what happened with this part, you know? Yeah. You're just going to ignore that? Yeah, and it's not really a cheat. I mean, the very end of season two is the Mind Flare from the Upside Down. Sure. Peering over the high school gym. Yeah. Plotting, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like it's better that it, it is, like, just the mind flare. That this problem is the same problem that they're having to fight over and over again. Because I feel like it would make it a different show if it was some kind of different threat or oh, a different... Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, a, like, you know, if it was completely different, unrelated, and now for werewolves versus, you know, like, I mean... Yeah, you can't you do know, a change of premise with these characters at this point. Um yeah. Would be, it would be a bridge too far. And I mean, I'm sure there are people that are going to say it's derivative of itself, you know, and it's and it's trying to milk itself, but well, I, I mean, I, th- that's what the show is. It's this one problem yeah. and yeah. what it's wrought in this small town. Well, well yeah, it'll be resolved whenever the show comes to its I mean, they're going to have the opportunity to naturally end it by the nature of how they make these Netflix shows where they don't have yeah. to just pump out season after season on a timeline, whether they're ready or not. Right. So they'll resolve the... If it isn't really resolved even by the end of this season, I mean, I guess you could say it could be, but it'll be resolved one way or the other 
you know, I feel like by the end of the eventual end of the show, yeah, right, itself. Well, yeah, and and there's a, there's a character that will kind of speak to it in a later episode. You know, the, kind of the idea that like the you know the door's been opened, you know, and you and it's very hard to close it. You know, yeah. which I like that they're embracing that idea. Yeah. You know, because there's a part of me whenever I, whenever I get into you know an imaginary story world like this, you know, that idea of like you know, okay, so like you know, it changes their world forever. This whole concept of what's happened and the idea that they know now that there's an alternate dimension and it exists and it's always there and you know what about it and so yeah. um, I really like that there's a part of them leaning into that in this season you know the idea that you know it's not just this one incident the one time in this tiny little town you know there's other people are discovering this thing as well so yeah um, yeah you can't you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube it's just right that's life. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Cool. So what are you guys' uh, initial thoughts on Jonathan and Nancy working at the town paper? Uh, it makes so much <laughs> sense. Um, much to okay. the dismay of of Nancy. Um, <laughs> who, uh, and I've liked Nancy from the beginning. Because um, you see that character struggling with expectations from without in her own internal expectations of herself and right. what kind of person she's going to be. And now she's in a position where she's going to be starting her senior year of high school. Uh, Steve has already graduated, but she's going to be starting her last year of high school. Presumably she's, I mean, we know she's a good student, so I assume she's going to be able to go to whatever school she wants to go to if that's what she chooses to do. But after dealing with the stuff she's dealt with the last two seasons... It would make sense that she would want to put herself in a position where she can use her abilities, and she's saddled with um, what everybody has to go through: your internship or your first job, where you are the low man on the totem pole. And I'm not even bringing in a um, anything sort of uh, feminist or or sexual in regards to this, but when you're an intern, you're an intern. Like that, that's yeah. you're yeah. going to get pushed around. You're going to have to take your lumps and go through the paces of learning what the environment of whatever career you're trying to go into is. Uh, are the guys there dicks? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> probably more yeah. to her because she is a girl. Um, and again, that's and well, and they're they're threatened, probably even threatened a little bit by her. She's very sharp. She's very smart. Yeah. She's right. obviously talented, etc. Well, it, it, it's funny too. I kept, I kept thinking, Nancy, you forgot everything Murray taught you last season. Yeah. You know Water about. Down. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. But she just well, yeah, she can't. She's guns blazing. As soon mm-hmm. as she's like a bloodhound. Yes. As soon as she gets the scent yeah. of something, she can't pull back. And and unfortunately in life, uh, sometimes you have to. And Jonathan, right. from his situation in life, realizes right. that's the way that things are yep. and sometimes yep. you have to go along to get along if you want to get anywhere so yeah. it's it's kind of a, a reality check from sort of the whirlwind of her coming into her own of the last two seasons you know that you, you're kind right. of rebuffed by what the real world is well and they when things progress with that storyline they actually have like I feel like a really well written kind of back and forth regarding all this I yes. think Nancy, kind of what you were getting at a minute ago, that she can't 
not, you know, kind of go full tilt. Right. She has proven over and over again she's, if not one of the bravest, maybe the bravest person in the whole cast. I mean, she is extremely courageous personally that she doesn't, she's not intimidated or scared of these guys. You know what I mean? So I just, I think it fits with her character well. It just is kind of a sucky situation to be in. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to your, to your point, JC, like the idea of like, they are a little bit cartoonishly stupid, a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, they're a little bit over the top, but I, I think there was their subplot and, and, and also I thought the subplot of, of how Main Street's completely wiped out by the mall. Yeah. You know, which I, like, they're both, exaggerated in a way that is pretty on point if you put it in context of 80s movies. Yeah. You know, and I, I say that because, like, we were watching, um, my wife just randomly wanted to watch some kind of wonderful a couple weeks ago, and we watched it with our kids. And I remember my daughter, like, we were watching the movie with her, and my daughter, my daughter's 13, and she was like, she, she kind of leaned over to me and she's like, what's with all this, like, rich kid, poor kid stuff? Like, you know, she, because if you watch it now, like, it's really heavy handed, you know, and I, and I, and I, so I, said, I said, some of that kind of stuff was really on the nose and kind of heavy handed, you know, in, in 80s movies. Like, this is kind of the style they were in well, all those, uh, all those, you know, Hughes movies all had the class dynamic was a huge part of all those movies. Yeah. Right. And that, and that one, I think, is probably like one of the most exaggerated versions. I think yeah. of it, you know what I mean. Now, granted, it's kind of his remake of Pretty in Pink, but and but that's the thing. I think if you look at one of the things I appreciate about Stranger Things as a whole is it's not ever trying to do the '80s through the lens of 2019. Yeah, it's not trying to make people act like 2019 movie or TV characters in an '80s setting. Like right. it's trying to tell a story not only set in the '80s but also in an '80s style. Yeah, which I think is which really came through a lot in this season, which you know, which we were talking about earlier, kind of the humor and kind of um, playing more of a comedy rather, you know, a comedy slash horror. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like, the eighties was not the decade of subtlety either. Um, right? No, in many ways, no. it was the decade of excess. Um, I mean, if you want subtlety, you got to go back ten years and watch, you know, Chinatown or pretty much any serious film from the 70s until Star Wars right. came out. So it's uh it, it is in keeping with the tone that they've trying to set. They they've set since the right. beginning. Yeah. And and I think there's a bit of a swerve there too. Just I think like Jake Busey, you know, he's meant to be kind of a complete goofball until he's scary. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh, if he and wasn't so... going to be evil, I would have been very disappointed because whatever he gets to let loose uh the right. frighteners I mean, yes. he, is, he can be absolutely terrifying. Um, yeah. So I was very happy that he was a part of the show and that he was uh, right? a force yeah. for the um, the evil in Hawkins. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, um, moving on to Dustin coming home from camp with all of his, uh, <laughs> his inventions. So, I saw someone on Twitter today say that... Um, the like oscillating like self hammer machine thing he built was a Homer Simpson I contraption. Sent, I sent that to yeah. you earlier. Yeah. Oh, you sent that to yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Totally. Well, there it is. Yeah. They do actually yeah. have the, a hammer that will drive. I don't think they work at all. Um, I wouldn't trust that uh-huh. thing anyway. 
but yeah, I mean, you know, or it could just be, you know, what would a kid make if he went to science? Well, camp? that's what I took from it. I mean, he yeah. also made a an infinity clock or whatever he called it that can run, can wind tell power. you the time with wind power in case yeah. I guess the there's nuclear holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Because you want to know what time it is if the world's been incinerated, but um, <laughs> well, and I'm glad the show made the like educated everybody that my people do have electricity and cars. <laughs> oh, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that was oh, good. Man. Yeah, Susie well, with a Z. Oh. Susie with a Z from Utah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought it was really. Really cool that he named his machine Cerebro. Obviously, yes. calling back to the X Men fandom, but yeah, his yeah Lucas getting confused, I guess, between Mennonites and Mormons or yeah, Amish, Amish or whatever. But well, and, that was and really funny. I like the Cerebro reference too. And I, there's kind of a blink and you miss it. I'll say it now because I don't want to miss it later when we cover the other episode. But I love that much later on down the road, when Robin meets Dustin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she uses the Cerebro... Like, you can totally tell she gets the Cerebro reference. Yeah. Like, she, oh, knows, like yeah. she knows exactly what... She's telling somebody else about Cerebro. Like, she totally knows, like, that Cerebro... You know what I mean? Like, well, when we find out more about her character, it makes sense that she would be an expert right. reader. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. and it plays into Dustin's kind of working theory that we'll talk about more later with Erica. Yes. You know, that... That she's more of a, a nerd than she lets on, which her her razzing uh, Lucas. We didn't talk about that earlier. As he goes by with his crew, oh, was also God. great. My my wife was annoyed a lot by Erica. Really? I thought she was great. <laughs> well, I I she, well she just was like she's like oh that girl is so irritating. And I'm like I, I'm like yes, little sisters are very irritating. <laughs> <laughs> little sister. So <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Um, oh, that's good. No, that, that's a great meta moment, too. I know we'll get to it when we get to that, that, uh, episode. But yeah, just the idea of like, cause we're kind of in a geek gold mage right now, oh, you know, yeah. and kind of pointing yeah, out. One, man. Right. Well, and pointing out that there's a lot of shows that get popular that are, you know, like stealthily geeky. You know what I mean? Like in a lot of ways. Um, well, you know, see, that's so. when I watch a show like this show that does have a ton of references. And some of them even fly over my head, but I think like all my coworkers today were saying, "Oh, I'm halfway through Stranger Things. It's so good so far." Blah 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 blah. Right. I know for a fact that they don't get half of the references of what's oh, going no. on, or homages, or pastiches, or whatever. There's people I work with that go to see every Marvel movie, and I know for a fact that they've never read a comic book, yeah. and they don't even under they they barely can keep up with. Those Who's movies good? referencing themselves, like they don't right. even like, you know. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. So yeah, the civilians, as I say, <laughs> right? The squares, man. Yeah. Squares. So uh, when Joyce is eating dinner by herself, she's catching a rerun of Cheers. And were were you guys Cheers fans? Uh, I'm from yeah. the suburbs of Boston, so yeah, there you so it was go. Mandatory yeah. viewing. I assume so. I even put that in the notes. I, I guess I, that was true. Controversial opinion. I like I like Kirstie Alley better than uh, whatever it is, than uh, 
So did Shelley I. Shelley Long? And Shelley Long, yeah. yeah. I so thought did the show, I. I thought the show yeah. was better with her and with Woody Harrelson than better than Coach. So, uh-huh. But that's uh-huh. me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was like the first... Um, after I went and finally settled down and was living with uh, my aunt and uncle on a permanent basis, I remember that was kind of how I was getting older and sliding into the adults, hanging out with the adults club, you know? That was a big part of it, was that Thursday night on NBC. Oh, yeah. Like, it started out with, like, I could watch Cheers, you know, and, and then, like, watch, like, Wings, and then, like, you know what I mean? Like, I kept getting later into the night to where I finally was, like, allowed to stay up late enough to watch L.A. Law, oh, you know? Yeah, like, you, you know what I mean? So, like, that was, yeah, I remember, like, Cheers was... Thursday night NBC was appointment television in my house. Oh, for house. sure. Mine's hardcore. Like, it was Thursday for night. For 20 years. I mean, literally, oh, yeah. for 20 years. Yeah. Thurs- Thursday out. night was NBC, and then Friday night was we went to the video store and, and rented movies. Like, every Friday night, religiously. Like, that was what we did. You know? Um. So, I was, like I said, I'm a little younger than you guys, but yeah. I when I really became self-aware of what we were watching on Thursday night, it was Seinfeld. And I remember it was a big deal yeah. when I was old enough to stay up and watch ER. Oh yeah. Yep. So this is kind of the next wave of, uh, yep. Oh yeah. Shows like that. Yeah. Or then, law and order law and order too. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And for me, then it carried into my marriage. Cause I remember getting married and watching like Frasier and mm-hmm. with my wife, you know, and like, um, I can't remember the last. I think it was ER still. ER was on forever. Yeah, ER was on for like 15 seasons or something. Yeah, like that. yeah Frasier yeah. was on for a long time. A long time, time as well. Yeah. 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 Well, and so. Friends. Friends is, Friends. Yep. you know, of course, was another Thursday night NBC stalwart from that time. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. Cheers, though, I only recalled from watching, like, in syndication. I don't know if I ever watched it live on air. Even though I, I probably could have been, I would have been on oh. the see at least the last couple seasons. But, yeah. anyhow. Uh, I remember watching that finale. Oh, yeah, me yep. too. I remember watching that. Yeah. Well, getting to the end of the episode, this season definitely takes an immediate hard turn into straight horror. And I would say, to mm-hmm. me, to a degree, unmatched in the first two seasons. Would y'all... Agree or not agree? The only the only yeah. parts I could I could compare it to were um, the will getting possessed and being exercised scenes in season two. Those both were pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, like I feel like this season already in the first episode has escalated things. Well, and more really more in the next episode. But this whole end here with Billy, where he gets like sucked down into the basement. Screaming. I mean, he's really, yeah, really yeah, letting us have it. You know, um, it gave me real it it vibes. I'm not. I don't know why. Just like you know, just the monster grabbing him. You know, and just you know, pretty much like I mean, he's like he's driving down the road in his car, which right. is usually how you escape the monster, right? Yeah. And it literally got him from his car all the way down into the basement of that creepy steelworks, <laughs> like. Yeah, you know, and it, yeah, and it wasn't was, an accident. I mean, it clearly was lashing out for someone to take. Right. And yeah. it's probably had his its eye on him for a while because of the kind of person that he is. So, Possibly. Yeah. Um, Which is a well, lot like, um, I think even in our last episode, maybe Chris, you said something about, you know, uh, I forget even the kid's name now, and it that... Uh, 
oh. gets used by Pennywise to attack the other kids. Oh, but, uh, um, yeah. Jeez. Um, uh, uh, oh, oh, I can't Bauer. remember his Bauer. Henry Bauer, yeah. Bowers, yeah, Henry Bowers, that's it, yeah. That's yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah, well, that's that's what's going on here, too. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because it, like, it's really jarring, because you, you're coming off that whole subplot with him and Mrs. Wheeler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I was really surprised. I remember watching the first episode, I'm like, wow, they're, like, going out. I thought that was going to be some another, like, slow burn, you know, tertiary plot thread no, throughout the right. season. It's abandoned and they, pretty much as soon as she decides not to go. Right, but they like immediately got back into that. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they leaned into it from last season to this, at least initially. Right, right. Which yeah. is, uh, you know, so I was I was kind of surprised. And then, yeah, they go from that kind of, you know, and he's in the car, you know, practicing his lines and smiling into the mirror, and then, you know, bam, yeah, things go scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dave already mentioned uh, RESP Wagon being great to make out to, but was there any other uh, thoughts on the pop music included in this episode? I feel like at one, during my rewatch, I realized in season two, the vast majority of the popular music is in the first couple episodes of that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's similar here, too. It's like they front load it for some reason. I'm not exactly sure why. But, I mean, it's almost like every scene gets a song in these first, like, two or three episodes. It's, I mean, right. well, part of it's shorthand, too. I yeah. mean, if you're trying to evoke that feeling, you're using stuff of the time. And yeah. they're usually spot on with their song choices for matching whatever they're trying to do. Unless they're using it to undercut a point, like, with the um, moving in stereo from Fast Times. Yeah. But um, I mean, everything else is kind of dead on when um, when it's you know Jonathan and Nancy trying to get to work in the morning. They're not playing a super happy bubblegum pop song. They're playing something that Jonathan would listen to. Um, right. You know, and it's the same thing. And of course, Mike, who's now moving into his teenage years, he's listening to the top forty pop stuff. You know, from the male vocal artists. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's. It's Ario Speedwagon and, and Corey Hart that he's listening yeah. to. Corey Hart, so, yeah. So, you know, and it makes total sense. That's probably what he'd be listening to. Well, and I, I think it's the, the budget thing as well, again, too. Because in the previous seasons, it seemed like they would one or two pop songs an episode, you know. Usually, like, one somewhere in the middle-ish that was kind of thematic, relevant, and then usually another song at the end. To kind of you know tie into the climax, yeah, and 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 then this season, yeah, like you said, like even like I mean, there's there's probably like five or six songs just in the first episode, yeah, you know, and and yeah, they kind of keep going all the way through to the end until like you kind of get the to the the two part season finale, and then we kind of go all just the great, you know, score, score music, yeah. but um, yeah, and there's some interesting things in there, and and yeah. And I think, gosh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, I have a theory about one of the pop songs that makes a reappearance. Uh, uh, I know which one. I think I'm sure you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Very um, good. But yeah, no, there's, there's a yeah, the music's on point, and this is well, and this is this whole season's my jam. Like, <laughs> this is this is the music that just has like not left me. Like, this is. Like, like my kids are being forced to listen to Corey Hart in the car when I'm driving around town, <laughs> taking them that. places. So, yeah, so they, uh, yeah, this is, 
my kids like like the best is the I think it's the next episode we were watching it and my wa- my daughter was singing along word for word to Madonna oh, <laughs> and I was yeah. like maybe that's like, not a good thing I was like oh <laughs> I was like is that my fault or did she just <laughs> I was like yeah, I think that's my fault so it was just kind of funny I just had one of those moments where I kind of kind of looked at her you know like. <laughs> How do you know this song? And why Material Girl? Like, because, you know what I mean? Like, hey, at least it wasn't not, like a virgin. Yeah, I was going to say, or, uh, you know, Papa Don't Preach. Oh, so. Right? Right? Yeah, so, anyways. Um, oh, the truth. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. I mean, li- dear listeners, I have a 13-year-old daughter, so I have feeling Hopper this season. Like, Feeling Hopper. That scene where he's yelling at Mike in the car, my daughter just kind of leaned over and, and put her head on my shoulder and rubbed my arm a little uh, bit. Like, I know, Daddy, I know. Like uh, He's my favorite character on the show, and I don't have kids, but when he gives Mike the crazy eyes, like, you want to see crazy, I was like, that is my man right oh. there. Because at, at that point, his reaction, you know, you want to see crazy, disrespect me again. Like, that, if I was a parent... Of a, of oh, a yeah. teenage girl, that is exactly what my attitude would be, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Hopper is my spirit animal this season, for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't want... I kind of glanced over that scene, but that was like a laugh-out-loud Oh, because laugh Mike, Mike is a prick at the beginning. Oh, well... He is horrible. And yeah. he's so unlikable at the beginning. And it's Whoa. just... Man. Well, he's like... Maybe he still hasn't got over a hop from the previous season, that's, but like sure last season... Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I cut him some slack last season for the big reveal that this whole time that he's been literally daily morosely radioing to Elle in the Upside Down trying to reach her, right. that she's been there the whole time. I get he's angry about yeah. that. But, like, yeah, when Hop gets him out to the truck, he talks to him in a way that, like, he's lucky he's not getting, you know, beat up, yeah, basically. Oh, I mean, you don't that, talk to anybody like that, let alone police officers. Yeah, well, the well, chief I, of police is your girlfriend's dad. You should, yeah, you might want to tone it down that. a little bit. Yeah. No, but no they, I, think you, I think you have it, you hit the nail on the head. Like, he's kind of, he's gone from that thing where Hop kind of owed him. And yeah. I think what's happened is over these six months, he's kind of milked that for all it's yeah. worth. Oh, yeah, well, I think do, you're right. They do you know? intimate in other episodes in the season that he's also been a little rambunctious, too. I don't think they like, not causing huge problems, but more than just the typical teenage tomfoolery. I, I think there's a dropped line in one of the, the fall coming episodes where that's kind of hinted at. So I'm mm. sure part of it's hormones, part of it's being a teenager, and part of it is him... You know, I mean, he's been, Mike's been the, the king turd of this group for quite a while. And right. he just probably feels like he well, can get away with whatever he wants. And, yeah. and a lot of it, too, like, they don't they don't get into it too much. But I think, that, you know, there's kind of a, if you think about it, like, you know, it's Mike versus Hopper for, like, who's the most important person to L. You know, there's, sure. a, there's yeah. a pull between them of, like, you know, they both... They both want to love, protect, and and be around L all the time. You know what I mean? Which is which is pretty much again. That's 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 literally what happens to you. Like you know, like like you're the dad. You're 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 she's daddy's girl, and then you have to like 
let this moron come in and take her away. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, ooh, you know, that's a struggle. That's a real struggle. And um, it's it's kind of at the core of what Hop's going through. It's the core of what Mike's going through this season. Yeah. Trying to deal with that whole thing of, like, you know, um, dealing with those feelings and those emotions. So it's 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 interesting. They, they're In a way, they're on parallel tracks um, together with yeah. their relationship to L over this season. So, and having to come in to, you know, uh, further their relationship with her. So. Very good. Well, that was all I had for talking points. Was there anything else we didn't get to that y'all think we need to, to mention? Um, I don't think so. It's a, it's a oh. fairly straightforward episode in terms of getting you into that status quo of where yeah. everybody is and, and setting yeah. up the the character dynamics for this season, which, I mean, that's one of the biggest highlights of this season is the way that these characters have grown and, and in the ways they're growing either together or apart as the season goes on. My well, wife was... has a point for you guys. All right. Yeah. She says, like, uh, next time you watch the episode with Robin, close your eyes and just think of Uma Thurman. And that's all you'll be able to hear for the rest of the time you watch Stranger Things. Oh, and she I says, can, she, she says you're welcome. I can, yeah, I can already hear it in my head now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting it. Well, I, uh, I don't know, about halfway through the first episode, I said, oh, you know that girl that's there at the ice cream stand with her? That's Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Is it? My wife was, yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, see, and and Joy she's that like, that. no way! You're, she's like, I can totally see it and hear it, like you were just saying. Yeah, like, okay. she immediately reacted, like, whoa, you're right. But um, we'll see. My she's wife was great in the season, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, my wife was stuck on a plane fr- flying from Guam oh, back boy. here to Arizona, and so she was watching them all on her iPad saved, and she was so she had no internet access, and she was like. She's like, that sounds just like Uma Thurman. And she sort of remembered that that's who, uh, you know, Robin is, you know, but mm-hmm. like she was just like, anyways, yeah, she had to wait till her like first layover to like get on her phone and confirm it. But, yeah, <laughs> it's just, it was kind of funny. Like, yeah, so she just, yeah. And after she told me that, I didn't even really think about it. Like, I just, you know, I just knew, I knew who she was, but I didn't really hear that when I heard her. But now that I, now I've said that, that's all I hear is Uma Thurman. <laughs> So, anyways, too funny. Cool. That was well, it for I me. Think, I think the uh, it's a good good point. Uh, I think to me, season was well worth the wait. It was very oh, yeah. very entertaining, very enjoyable. Yeah. Great start. Can't wait to talk about it more with you guys. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you don't have anything else, I'd say like I said at the top, you can reach us at castprotection at gmail dot com. You can reach us on Twitter at castprotection. You can uh, email, or so that you can find us on Facebook, and uh, definitely leave us a review on iTunes. That helps other people find the show. And if there's nothing else, guys, I appreciate your time, and we'll be back soon with episode two of season three of Stranger Things. Oh yeah! Thanks, guys. Woohoo!
Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes. And you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.